choose their activity level, they choose to take their medications or not for those um, for those illnesses. And this, seeing people mentally ill, which was genetic, um, and there were not excellent recommendations or medications, to me, it just broke my heart that we, you know, this is America and Americans shouldn't be suffering like this. Thanks so much for coming back and joining us again here on The Current, everyone. Uh, unless you're joining us for the first time, then thank you so much. Uh, my name is Bill. I'm your host. I have uh, the distinct pleasure of having not one, but two very special guests. One, a recurring guest, our Associate Vice President at Advancement at Truro University, Andrea Garcia. Andrea, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. And I know you're super excited because we have an awesome guest today. Um, Fabulous guest. Yes, we're very excited to have a very, very special guest today, Dr. Jasmine Singh, otherwise known as the Jazzy Doc. Uh, Dr. Singh, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Andrea, for connecting us. This is this is really fun and exciting. Happy to chat with you. Yeah, Great it is so, so awesome to have you on the show. Um I'm really excited to talk to you because uh, I think when students head off to uh, medical school or Toro specifically, um, you know, a lot of people think they're going to go into private practice or surgery or radiology, whatever it is. But you're uh, you're dealing with mental health. Is that correct? That is correct. And I am in private practice. So that that can happen. <laughs> you, you, you killed two birds with one stone. <laughs> <laughs> right. So psychiatry is my specialty. And I'm currently right. practicing in private practice. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, doctors very good at fixing broken bones, also very good at fixing broken feelings too. So that's <laughs> also important. Yeah. Um, we, we've got a lot to cover. Um, there's a whole there's a whole COVID section of this show that I have planned later. Um, but first, before we do all that, I wanted to just sort of get your thoughts on what it was that attracted you to psychiatry to begin with. Sure. So I became attracted to psychiatry during my third year rotations in medical school. I did not know at all what hallucinations were, what schizophrenia was, or um, anything like that, what it meant to be for a patient to be admitted against their will. I had no clue what any of that meant. Um, and so seeing patients who are that ill um, as my first rotation in medical school was very um, shocking, humbling. It awoke a lot of questions for me. And it seemed to me that diabetes, hypertension, um, had such nice recommendations that were so detailed up to up to the point of a blood pressure point. And, you know, people choose their diet. They choose their activity level. They choose to take their medications or not for those um, for those illnesses. And this seeing people mentally ill, which was genetic um, and there were not excellent recommendations or medications to me, it just broke my heart that we, you know, this is America and Americans shouldn't be suffering like this. We need better science. We need better medications. And so I started questioning uh, and learning since then, and I haven't stopped. So 
that is what got me interested in psychiatry, the level of human suffering that I saw. Right, right. I think one of the things that's sort of slowly eroding is the stigma behind mental health, um, where people would think, oh, you're going to see a psychiatrist. That means you're crazy or something, right? That, that whole vibe. Um, and I know there's been, you know, a lot of sort of uh, some miles recently, as a matter of fact, um, mm -hmm. big, you know, right. sort of high profile people that have come out and said, yeah, you know, I deal with mental health issues uh, periodically, whatever. Um, that must be sort of nice to have a little bit of that stigma sort of removed that, you know, I, I think we would think, oh, you're going to have a straitjacket <laughs> thrown on you any moment, like in the past. But now it's kind of a oh, yeah, I just have to go get that part of me fixed like I would a dislocated wrist or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I think uh, with more awareness and more education, uh, there is more acceptance and less stigma. And so a huge part of my work has been um, education and awareness for others through the media. But you're you're right. So, you know, there's different levels of care, different um needs of each type, different types of patient, you know, just because you see a cardiologist doesn't mean you're going into the cath lab, you could be just going to their office. So similarly, if you're seeing a psychiatrist, you may just be going to get a symptom check medication adjustment, not necessarily in a psych ward. So there's absolutely different levels of care. Right. Uh, celebrity, celebrities revealing their own struggles, I think has been very helpful. Um, but even the times we live in are, are causing mental illness to come up for a lot of people. So right. it's high time we we put aside the stigma because people are suffering and they really need to learn that there's treatment available. Right. I'm, I'm sure, Andrea, do you want to ask a question? I was just going to say, uh, I can see the benefit of going to see somebody like Jasmine uh, because she's, her voice is so soothing and pleasant. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's actually something you've said that just stuck to me. It, it was so poignant that during your rotations, your third year, you mentioned um, that people are, are being admitted against their will. Mm -hmm. Or what that really, you know, we assume these things that people need to be in there, they want to be in there. What is that like? I mean, it, there must have been an experience, something you witnessed that to stand out to you to make this decision to help you make that decision into psychiatry so definitely i think that month of my my rotations it was my first rotation of the year i had only done book work in medis, medical school so far and it was really impactful. I mean, so many of those things. You can imagine someone who's never seen patients before. That's one layer, right? But now what's the type of patient? These patients are, uh, it was a county mental health facility with an acute stabilization area and a, you know, there were some, a few units. One was um, for 72 hour holds, one was for longer holds. So that's what I meant by being admitted against their will. So patients, if they're found to be a danger to themselves, a danger to others, or they're gravely disabled, meaning they cannot provide food, clothing, shelter for themselves, they can be psychiatrically admitted um, against their will. 
sometimes they are in agreement with it. You don't need the hold, but you can place psychiatric holds on people. Um, the first one in California is 72 hours. The one after that is two weeks. So yeah, I had no idea what that was either. And I, it seems like this is new to you too, Andrea, but this is a, it's the bread and butter of psychiatry to, to place these holds. Um, and it's, it's very strange. It's very um, shocking, but also as an outsider, you see why, you know, you'll get the history that a patient was walking in a highway that was busy, uh, maybe without clothes on and saying strange things. I mean, that person needs to be protected. So, you know, you get these wild stories and then the patients obviously don't want to be admitted, but they can't understand why, that they're a danger to themselves. Um, they're not processing reality correctly. So those are just, I mean, those are just some of the features of my rotation that were very, uh, very impactful on me. And, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate that this is something that the field has to do. Kanye West, which I'm sure you guys have at least heard of, if not too familiar with, he talks about this. He talks about being restrained against his will. And it's, he claims it's so barbaric, which he's not wrong. Uh, but if someone is a danger to themselves or others, I mean, what else can we do? So, yeah, it's a it was a very educational experience. I'm wondering, and Bill, forgive me, this, this might be a segue into what you wanted to talk about. Is this something you're seeing more of lately these days? I think right now there is more psychiatric admission for young people. Um, I think that's what I've heard from my child and adolescent psychiatrist colleagues. I think there is more robustness in outpatient care. Um, I want to just make it clear, not everyone qualifies to go to a psych ward, okay? I mean, your run-in-the-mill anxiety and depression will not always be a criteria to get into a psych ward, okay? So we're looking at two different experiences here. I think people still now are coping with their stresses, perhaps with substances. Um, alcohol sales have been doing very well in the pandemic, I've been reading. And I think this is going to be a long-term increase in mental health needs. This is not, you know, people don't think, oh, I'm anxious. Let me, I'm stressed. Let me go see a psychiatrist. They turn to their coping mechanisms. And oftentimes that is uh, substances. So I don't think there's been an uptick for adults necessarily, for children being at home, being away from their peers. Um, I, there is an uptick in suicidal thoughts or attempts, but, but not, you know, nothing else that I can really and really see yeah Bill, I, uh, did you want to go into what you were going to bring up yeah I, I i did but um before i do that i just wanted to sort of jump on something dr singh just said um right. just if you could give us and this will help set up my next topic um if you could give us just sort of like a one or two minute like little crash course of what anxiety, depression, you know, like I think a lot of people will say like, oh, my friend suffers from depression. And a lot of other people think, oh, they're just bummed out, but it's not, mm -hmm. that's not the case. Um, 
can you just sort of give us kind of the cliff notes version of when people are having, like you said, these just sort of pretty normal things for people to be experiencing anxiety or depression or things like that. What mm -hmm. does that really mean from a, from a doctor's perspective? Yeah. So symptoms that indicate anxiety or a major depressive disorder or a generalized anxiety disorder or a panic disorder, you can think of it. Um, I like to think of it as a, as a disease process that has symptoms that need treatment. Okay. So depression, which is so thrown around still about just, oh, I'm depressed, you know, but when mm -hmm. something bad happens, oh, I'm depressed. But true depression, as from a clinical standpoint, the disease process is poor sleep, poor energy, poor motivation, a hopeless outlook on life, um, poor appetite. And, and there's, there's like these bodily symptoms and they're often... Um, they often coexist with anxiety symptoms. So like a lot of worry, a lot of restlessness, irritability, uh, again, trouble sleeping, uh, body pain also can be a sign of anxiety or depression. So there's, there's symptoms that are coming up now. Low mood can be a part of depression as well. Right. Um, feeling like you don't enjoy anything. Like let's say someone used to enjoy, uh, running outside, but even though they can run outside, uh, they're not enjoying it. Actually, I think that's a poor example because if you're depressed, you're probably not running outside. <laughs> uh, but let's say someone really enjoys um, Western movies, for example. They're a huge Western fan. Uh, but lately, they're not that interesting to them. They don't watch them. If they do, they don't really feel anything. That could be a sign of depression. So these are clinical diseases. Uh, they should be treated that way and they shouldn't be just thrown around. So that's my short crash course. Right, right. Two minute course that's on your, um, your, your certificate program if you're applying. Um, right. No CMEs available. <laughs> um, yeah, no, CM, no CMEs. Uh, just a pretty document to hang on your wall. Um, so with that then, uh, how, uh, not to put you completely on the spot, but oh, no uh, worries. How, how, how would you address the, what surely has to be happening with a lot of people now where, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're sending their kids back to school or they're, you know, the Delta variant or, you know, like all these right. things or just seeing, um, oh my God, Afghanistan on TV every night I and know. You know, hurricanes I or know. there's fires every, like, there's a lot of things that's occupying a lot of people's minds um yes. and they're i don't think this is a medical term so forgive me they're freaking out a little bit um <laughs> i don't know if that's straight from the book or not i might have picked that up somewhere else but i think i read it um, in the book <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure like i'm fairly sure it's a technical term, yeah but, um yeah they're freaking out a little bit how do you um like how do you chill people out gosh i wish i i wish i had a very simple and succinct answer to that question. So you're right. In the past few weeks, things have escalated even more. There's the variant that now has, is making headlines. We are able now with our technology to see what's happening in other countries like Afghanistan. Um, horrific images from there. Horrific videos. Just, I don't know how someone can't be freaking out, like you mentioned. 
Um, the East Coast has a hurricane. Um, the Southern states are there have no ICU beds and we're sending kids back. I mean, it's just it just doesn't end. It's unbelievable. So, yeah. What do I tell someone? Well, I think at this point, actually throughout the entire pandemic, I have been telling people to look at medication as an option. Okay. There's no shame in it. This is a disease. You can treat it with medicine. That doesn't mean you're on medicine forever. Look at how you're actually feeling. And then we can go from there. If someone is, you know, still able to function, go to work, even if they're working from home, uh, do their housework, do what they need to do in spite of everything that's going on, then maybe talk therapy, ensuring that they're eating nutritious food, uh, not junk food, less substances, uh, ongoing exercise, then maybe that's enough for them. That's enough treatment. Maybe talk therapy can be helpful to them for them to express how they feel and then reframe some negative thoughts that, that that have emerged. Aside from that, if people really start to internalize what's happening all around them, medication might be the answer. So I think just framing it as what you're feeling is very normal. It's happened to humanity for centuries. It will continue to happen to humanity for centuries. and how are you going to cope with this? And what level of care do you need to cope with this? Um, but acceptance, you know, I, I think that acceptance of what's happening, acceptance that you need help, that's what that's what we need to do. When you hear um, when you hear things like, well, you can't do this and you can't go here and you can't do that and you understand right. you can't do it. But it's it's not the freedom component. It's just the, my gosh, I just want my life back. And like I said, everybody's at that point. I'm just so done. I'm so done with this. And you just want to go on with whatever it is you were doing, but we can't, you know, so this frustration, there's just so many different components involved. There's so many different feelings. I just don't know how we will all recover from this. You know, I think. I even must have said yesterday or even today, I am just so done with this. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, it's not done with us. No. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we will ever go back to how we were. And one of a physician colleague said something like three to five years for stabilization, like other major viruses that affected human beings. So I just think we have to get into the acceptance mindset. We don't want to, even I don't want to. And I know what you're supposed to do, right? To to manage your emotions in this, but accepting that you feel denial, that you feel anger, that you feel fear again, and then moving forward, what can you do? What do you have to do? Uh, breaking it down, I think, very rapidly the situation is changing as of yesterday and today. So we have to just accept it, accept our emotions, um, and, and deal with it, cope with it. It's, it's unfortunate. I think sometimes, um, in those moments that get tough where I don't want to deal with it, I don't want to cope with it. I try to 
shift my focus onto gratitude, um, meaning actively looking for things to be grateful for. And, mm. you know, something we haven't touched on yet is for many people, the pandemic has been financially very, very stressful. Right. And so thankfully that didn't happen to me. Granted, I can complain about different things that can be financially related, <laughs> but, um, you know, people didn't have food. People didn't have, they lost their homes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of suffering that that's out there. So sometimes I, I like to remember that, um, I've lost people to COVID. So that's something I, you know, I, I do deal with, but I also remember while well, someone else is, is okay. And, you know, I'm a part of the majority. I think we all probably know someone that's suffered or has passed from COVID, meaning we're all in this together. Uh, so there's there's ways to reframe the you know the negative thoughts, uh, the stressful thoughts, um, and to try to keep our mood up. Uh, there, there's there's some ways to do that. Granted, it doesn't make it doesn't make the pandemic go away. It doesn't make the Delta variant go away, uh, but it's somewhat somewhat helpful in, in managing our, ourselves. So, so Dr. Singh, uh, before we uh, wrap up here and before do you want, um, I wanted to see if you could address something that I'm sure you probably run into quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I, I, I feel like I embody that to a certain degree as a, <clears throat> as a manly man, um, uh, <laughs> or there's certain, you know, certain, cultural backgrounds or whatever people don't like to need help or feel weak or whatever that kind of stuff what um how do you get through to people that this is this is like an okay thing to do that you don't have to feel like you're not a man or anything like that that <laughs> you can just go see a psychiatrist and it's fine there's nothing wrong with it yeah so this is you know men rarely seek out mental health care so i think your message is on point uh, or at least your question is, uh, I would, I would ask them, how do they think they're, they're doing and do they like the way they're living their life? Okay. What is their, their, uh, motivation for thinking of something different or have they even thought that they could live differently, live without substances, live without, right. uh, the negative emotions, live with some more energy and some more joy in life. Is that something they would desire? because probably mental health can give you that. Mm -hmm. Additionally, if you suffer from chronic medical issues, meaning non-psychiatric, management of those becomes better with more mental health care. So if someone is depressed, they're less likely to take care of their diabetes medication, meaning they're more likely to have other medical uh, events related to that. So I would ask them what their medical status is. And if they have mm -hmm. diabetes, why aren't you taking care of it? If not, is it an energy issue? Is it a depression issue? Trauma? I mean, so many human beings go through trauma. Have you processed mm -hmm. that? Uh, of course, it would be a very individual question, but the motivation to seek care is only from a dissatisfaction from the current trajectory of their life. Okay. So I would just ask them how they think they are, how they think they're doing. Do they like their life? Are they are they happy with and satisfied with where they are? Uh, those that's where I would start with with anybody, not just men. Right, right. 
So um, I wanted to give you uh, an opportunity just to sort of let people know how they can connect with you. Before I do, I just want to say uh, you can always follow TUC on uh, Facebook and Twitter and all the social media channels. Um, but if you're looking for somebody really fun to follow, you can follow the Jazzy Doc. Uh, how would people do that, Doctor? They can uh, follow me on Instagram at the Jazzy Doc. They can send me a message on there. Um, I don't give any medical advice on there, mm -hmm. but if you're looking for an appointment, you can make one at thejazzydoc.com. I can only see patients in California at this time. And yeah, that's that's the way to get a hold of me. Um, happy to help yeah. anyone with with anything that they're psychiatrically Absolutely. troubled with. Um, yeah. Andrea, any closing thoughts? One comment that in regards to the manly man, it's uh, also, I think, more prevalent with um, Hispanic men who would just right. refuse to be, it's the, uh, the proudness, I think, just refuse to see a doctor. And it's pretty tough when you have someone in your family that you know should probably be seen or talking to someone and they don't want to do that. Um, but the other thing I did want to brag uh, you have been on a few, um, you just spoke, if I'm not mistaken, in England. Is that correct? Did I write that down right? And you're speaking there around the world yes. and you were on NPR. There's a lot of good things going on, great things going on. Can you just let us know yes. what you were doing with that? Sure. So um, my media career started in residency and it started on local television, NBC, um, for various mental health outreach segments that then went to NPR, uh, that then went to various podcasts, much like uh, The Current and um, international segments and being written about in Indian magazines. Uh, but most recently, and I found this to be very valuable in the pandemic, is I've been doing live talks. So I've done um, a few in England, most recently in central London, um, and a few months ago also for a school in India, just prior to their Delta surge, ironically enough. So yeah, people are, <laughs> people are finding me uh, online. I think the need and, and stigma for mental health care is dissipating, especially you know, in young people. Uh, and and they reach out to me. So I, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy my outreach work. Uh, the live talks are are very fulfilling because you can have a conversation. Uh, the segments, I'm just kind of speaking out into the world. Um, but this way people can ask me a question and I, it's really nice. I, I think it's very, um, it's shown me that suffering and mental health is so universal. And we're all struggling with the same stuff, regardless of where we're from. So it's uh, it's really fun for me, and I, I thank you for for noticing and following. Of um, course, more to come. Hopefully, I'm a big fan <laughs> of yours, very big fan of yours. So what's I next? No, I, I always feel very supportive. I always feel very supported. I might um, need your autograph. <laughs> <laughs> anytime. I don't. Although it's, I don't think it'll be worth too much. Um, <laughs> We're going to get uh, a lot of uh, pictures with um, autographs on there of our famous alums, and you're one of them. That would be nice. <laughs> I bet there's so many out there. Um, 
Yeah, I, there is a big one coming. It's not confirmed yet, so I don't want to say it, but that would be probably the biggest talk of mine to date. So I'm still hoping for the confirmation. Um, I, I wish I could tell you today, but I, I just can't. So stay tuned. Follow the Jazzy Doc. Yes, follow Old the Jazzy Doc. Coming. There they go. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, there's one more. Was there anything going on with Toro and you? I would like there to be. <laughs> I'm, okay. I mean, I actually have been thinking about um, about Toro and what we could do with the students. Um, I think the preclinical time is so stressful. I would love to talk right. to them. Yeah. Um, that would be really fun for me. I imagine everyone's still remote. Hybrid at this point. Yeah. yeah. Little, and, little and I, yeah, and I can imagine it's difficult. I mean, if it's difficult for us, and we're not studying and taking exams. I can imagine a student, what they're going through. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would like there to be more, more contact with Toro. So please pass that on to whoever needs to hear that. We're going to have to pass this podcast, Bill. Yes. I was going to say, we might know a person that could hook you up with something somehow. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, we're we're so we're so grateful. Speaking of things to be grateful for, we're so grateful to have had uh, Dr. Jasmine Singh as our guest. Uh, one quick closing comment: uh, If you're uh, a man or a Hispanic man or a woman or whoever you are, um, hit up the Jazzy Doc or hit up the um, mental health professional in your area if you even have the slightest inkling that you might need someone to talk to um because hey you couldn't do worse you know like you, you could do a lot where i mean you could do worse <laughs> you could do a lot worse than having to uh sit and listen to uh dr singh for a half an hour um it's been a been a great joy uh we're so thankful for everybody to uh tune in and listen to the current uh thanks so much to dr singh Andrea Garcia, uh, and Bill. Uh, we will see you all next time on The Currents.